Welcome to Faked, an original podcast highlighting the underground world of counterfeit illegal items around the world and how to spot them. Whether you're traveling the world or buying online, Faked will be your guide. With your host, Joseph Rowan, you'll explore the many ways counterfeiters can pull off disguising everyday consumer items as the genuine good. Signed, sealed, delivered. I'm yours. Open up, Mr. Wonder. We've got a warrant for your arrest for 12 counts of forgery of signature. <coughs> um, she, she wants to go home, but nobody's home. And we all know that's an Avril Lavigne song, Mr. Wonder, so no doubt copyright infringement as well. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to Faked. It's been a couple weeks since we've done anything, but, um, you know, took a little hiatus, had uh, a good time on spring break uh, with some family, so we're back. This episode is going to be about fake signatures, if you couldn't gather that from that wonderful sketch about Stevie Wonder. Yeah, so um, anyways, let's jump in. What what uh, what gives signatures um, their value? You know, this is something throughout history that we know. We know people have had names. We know people have, uh, you know, created things. When was the point where they'd wanted to throw their name on to that thing that they created in order to uh, solidify the provenance? You know, like, I made this. This is mine. So... This is actually going to date back to 3000 BC. You know, I thought the vanity of it may have been a little nuanced, but actually people have been slapping their names on stuff uh, for a while. So this one isn't exactly, uh, you know, in today's, it's an un- unrecognizable almost by today's version of what we sign things and what has value. But in 3000 uh, BC, the Sumerians and Egyptians began using pictographs, a mix of pictures and uh, and symbols to convey meaning. And the most well-known examples of these are the Egyptian hieroglyphics. That's in 3000 BC. Okay, we're going to jump into 18 BC, which is the first alphabet. Um... The first alphabet was invented by the Phoenicians. It consisted of 22 consonants and no vowels. So by 1200 BC, the Greeks had adopted the Phoenician alphabet and then added vowels. So now we're getting into um, language being developed into symbology because we've had language, but it was never put down on paper, papyrus. It was never really put down. Um, There was no need to, okay, because people you know, spoke, everything was spoken. Maybe, maybe things have been putting down, but, or put down, but it was just phonetics of it. So we're jumping to 600 BC. Okay. The Latin alphabet developed from the Greek alphabet over centuries. It was adopted and adapted by many countries throughout the world. So we are seeing some actual formula, uh, some icons here that look very similar to what our, um, our current alphabet is. So we're seeing some evolution here, okay? By 1069, the earliest known signature from a well-known historical figure is that of a nobleman and military leader, El Cid of medieval Spain. So that's actually the first recorded signature. Somebody, you know, signed their names on something. So that's 1069. 
1677, handwritten signatures became widespread and the Parliament of England passed the Statute of Frauds. Okay, and that's designating certain contracts that will require a signature. And then we jump to 1770. This is, or 1776 specifically. Um, this is what everybody talks about. Okay, so John Hancock, the president of the Continental Congress, signed the Declaration of Independence. Now, there may have been people that signed things before this, but I don't think it held the value. Um, in which this monumentally did. So everybody calls a signature the John Hancock. So there's got to be some, you know, correlation there. And I think we all have come to the agreement that the most important signature that dates back as far as we can uh, trace is John Hancock. So we're still moving up forward. Uh, 1870, um, digital signatures... Okay, so 1870 digital signatures via telegraph were accepted thanks to the New Hampshire Supreme Court. So you'll see this um, as mediums and technology started to be adapted and invented. They needed to come up with ways to authenticate uh, these mediums. So then it because obviously if, if you have a telegraph that's uh, anybody with a telegraph could fraudulently send a digital signature. So there needed to be ways around that. And I could probably talk about that for a bit, but that happened. Um, 1980s, uh, during the 1980s, many courts declared faxed signatures, uh, signed documents to be valid. So that's an instance of another technological advancement to where people could fax signatures and then they would become valid. Okay, 1996, the United Nations published the UN Citral Model Law on Electronic Commerce. So this law influential, uh, this law influential in the development of electronic signature laws around the world. And this is something that we still hold on to today. If you've ever bought a house and had to sign a contract via email, you know that's very important. And that's this kind of was the predication for President Clinton's law that was signed, um, the Electronic Signatures in Global and National Commerce Act, also known as the Easier E-Sign Act, um, which validated electronic contracts in interstate and foreign commerce. So you've seen DocuSign, and that is uh, where that came into play and first was actually uh, legitimized. So... So that's kind of brought us to where we are today about uh, how things added value, or like how signatures created value. But it's more historically when we talk about paintings and old documents, like we'd mentioned. Um, clearly, you know, things were signed on paintings back in the 1700s, back in, I believe, 1600s too. But they were doing that not in the prospects of selling them, you know, people had made these original signs. It was just to prove that that was theirs. I think it's like, you know how your mom had a, like if you bought a basketball when you were young, you'd put your name on it. It was just a proof that it was yours. It was never for like resale value or anything like that. But, you know, they always say if something was intended to be collectible, it ends up not being collectible or at least worth money. So a lot of these uh, paintings and things that we'll talk about and break into different segments of importance 
um, people had signed them, but they were never for anything um, important. But, you know, the Declaration of Independence obviously was signed for its importance and its legitimacy and things of that nature. So um, what we need to do is jump into what... Uh, let's let's jump into signed art first. I think that's an important one. I think that's what most people think of when you think of art. When you watch Pawn Stars or you watch a uh, maybe um, like an, an auction for art, generally they want to know if the signed art if the art is signed and then if it's legitimate. So what we need to do is determine what uh, what are some red flags for fake signed art. Okay, so these are some of the key steps right here. So know where the artist usually signs their art and compare the location of the signature to other known examples. So most artists tend to sign in particular locations. Any discrepancy in location could be a, you know, a cause for concern there. So for example, a, a major red flag would be if an artist normally signs on the front of their art, but the piece you're thinking about bidding on is only signed on the back. Not an uncommon ploy in the forgery business. We did talk about this in our fake art, but we were mostly talking about fraudulent art itself, not so much the signature. So uh, next up is note how the name is signed. So artists typically sign consistently from artwork to artwork. For example, some use their full names. Some use their full na- full last names and, and first initials, and some use initials only. So um, some also sign in the same color, and you know there are plenty of other things there, different mediums. So any differences between a signature you are looking at and how the artist typically signs should be considered potentially problematic. Whenever possible, use color examples of known signatures for comparison purposes. So black and white examples can still be helpful, but they often lack the subtleties of color examples like texture, colors blend with the rest of the art, and so on. So it's important um, if you are bidding on something that if somebody does send you a document, um, like a close-up of the signature and it's in black and white, you may want to re-ask for a color uh, high-definition photo of that. Okay, so some artists do more than just sign their name, okay? So for instances, they uh, they may date their art. Uh, you know, they maybe buy dinner first. No, um, underline or otherwise embellish their signatures with like a little flourishes, maybe a star over something. Um, they include the location or title of the composition of the art. Um, sometimes they they write the backs of the art and uh, and you know differences there. So again, any departures from how a signature and accompany me uh, information or details normally appear on a work of art should be regarded with caution. Okay, if you're buying online, make sure the seller provides a good, clear, detailed enlargement of the signature with no glare, reflections, or shadows. Very important. If they don't have one posted online, have them email it to you. Some sellers are well aware that a great way to sell fakes is to provide either poor close-up images of signatures or no close-ups at all. So we're kind of jumping into the fake art right now, but I just want anybody who may be bidding on you know, some signed artwork or currently have one at home 
check those out. So unless an artist is known for signing in mediums other than that of the art itself, beware when the medium of a signature does not match the medium of the art. For example, if a painting is signed in ink instead of paint, a signature is scratched into dried paint or a watercolor is signed in pencil instead of watercolor, these discrepancies could indicate problems. So these are all things when looking at the the actual signature itself, you want to... Um, you want to see how it blends in with the actual does it does it seem like that same artist that painted that also painted the signature on there okay so with paintings in particular artists tend to sign in colors that correspond with the colors and compositions of the art so be concerned if if you note any kind of mismatch in this regard okay unless you obviously know if the artist distinctly um, signs in different colors Okay. Note how well or poorly a signature blends with its composition. Signatures of most artists look like they're part of the art, like they're supposed to be belonging there. Like if it's, uh, you know, if it's on a sign, sometimes that's something they'll, they'll literally paint a sign in there and then sign within it. Um, so like they're harmonious with the composition. So signatures that seem discordant, out of place, or significantly different in appearance or style when compared to the overall compositions may be problematic in some way. Sellers sometimes state that the works of art signed only with initials are by known or famous artists who happen to have those same initials. So that's also a big red flag. So unless an artist regularly signs with initials only, make sure the seller can prove their claims beyond a doubt and provide the necessary documentation to back them up. So note the overall appearance of the signature. A signature should really look relaxed, fluid, spontaneous, and unforced, okay? Beware of signatures that look rough, tentative, sloppy, overworked, awkward, uneven, or shaky because people are trying to deceive with these fake signatures. I mean, you may have a signature and it's probably so smooth, um, or mine is just so, uh, you just can't even you know, determine what's going on there. But I will tell you, it's pretty hard to fake. So um, pencil or ink signatures on works of paper, especially limited edition prints, are the easiest to fake unless a seller presents adequate verifiable proof, evidence, or documentation that a work of art is authentic or you are extremely familiar with the particular image and how the artist typically signed. Be careful, okay? A good sign is... When the signature is actually in the paint of the composition, this indicates that the artist signed while the painting was still wet. So that's very important, the blending of that. Okay, Forgers sometimes alter or, or paint over signatures of minor artists and add signatures of better known ones. So check the area around a signature to make sure it matches the surrounding composition. Also check other areas of a composition where artists normally sign for irregularities in the painting. Watch out if small surfaces uh, areas don't completely match up, okay? Foragers usually have to sign on top of dried paint already. That's what we were just talking about, about it being wet and kind of blending in it. So many older paintings develop hairline surface cracks that are not visible to the naked eye. If you are concerned that a signature may have been added later, magnify the edges of the signature with a pocket microscope or a loop, um, or digital microscope and study the enlargements. If you see indications that a signature is signed over pre-existing age cracks or that the paint has bled from the signature into adjacent age cracks, this would indicate that the painting was signed well after the fact and could be cause for concern, okay? So that's, you know, that can be applied to 
to paintings. It can be applied to um, things of that. We'll go more into photos here. That's going to be another important one. But I wanted to get into the art first. So let's take a little break. And then we're going to come back and talk about signed documents and signed photos. On the Faked Podcast, we don't have big corporate America giving us commercials. What we've got is information. So we're going to be looking at top 10 most expensive autographs. John F. Kennedy's newspaper, $39,000. Jesse James' photo, $52,000. Jimmy Page's guitar, $73,000. Albert Einstein's photo, with signature, of course, $75,000. Joe DiMaggio and Marilyn Monroe's baseball, $191,000. Jimi Hendrix, contract, $200,000. Babe Ruth's baseball, $388,000. John Lennon's murdered signed LP, $525,000. Now we're getting into the big numbers. Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation, $3.8 million. George Washington's Act of Congress, $9.8 million. And that's it, folks. All right, we are back. And um, we're going to be talking about fake signatures on documents and fake signatures on photos. So the single most important question to start with is, is there a reason for someone to fake this signature? Okay. There's a deep gulf between the gains of a page signed by Shakespeare and a local author who drops by the independent bookstore to restock their titles once a week, okay? So Shakespeare's signature is one of the most extreme and unlikely examples, but the principle remains, okay? On the very high side of that equation, professional foragers have motivation to use methods and materials that prevent anyone but the most trained and well-equipped professionals from being able to detect the forgery. The most accomplished of foragers, okay, formulate their own ink out of period-correct chemicals, including chemical aging agents. So they are impeccable, but entirely fake. Okay, original holographic documents are created from scratch by starting with blank paper from that correct era. Uh, sometimes acquiring by cutting the blank sheets at the end of old books. Interesting enough, isn't that crazy? The art and science of uncovering these frauds uh, takes far more specialized knowledge than we'll be talking about mostly here. So that'll be, you know, consulting the professional, okay? You need to look at whether it's an actual signature versus printed signature. One honest mistake that people sometimes make with older books is to misinterpret an author signature that is printed with the book rather than added by hand after publication. Authors that became sufficiently famous within their own career sometimes had their signature on the printing plate for decoration. So some of the later works of Robert Frost show that tradition as do some uniform binding series, such as the Hillcrest edition of the works of Mark Twain. So a few tricks for checking whether the signature you are looking at is a true signature as opposed to something printed with a book. So flip the signed page over to look at the backside of it, called the recto in uh, the terms of this trade. Hold the page up to the light. Does the ink of the signature bleed through the paper at all? Does the ink of the lines of the signature block the light coming through the page evenly, 
Or are there areas that seem to be darker, more heavily lined? So flipping back over to the front side of the signature, the verso of the page, look at the page at an oblique angle. So kind of an, uh, an angle there. So is there any indentation on the page where pen may have scratched the paper? Does the ink seem to bleed slightly into the surrounding area? If the answer to any of these questions was yes, you've gotten a little further towards the potential for a real signature. If you can reasonably be sure that the signature you're looking at was added by hand, the next step is to see how likely it is to be real. Start by comparing the example you are looking at to a known example. The internet provides a great resource for finding examples of famous signatures, but it may take a little work to find a comparison for what you are trying to authenticate, like behind a dust cover or something like that. So something that's very specific to that area, that's very important. So. Also keep in mind that signatures change as we age. So maybe somebody developed a slight uh, murmur in their, or tremor in their hand. So, you know, became a little oblong or something like that. So check when the author likely added that signature and compare it to one of the same approximate vintage if possible. If the author added both a signature and a date, that just makes it super simple. So if there isn't a date, the signature may have been added anytime between after the date of publication. It pays to do a little quick fact check of this point, okay? Posthumously published books, books and editions printed after the author's death are very unlikely to have been signed, obviously, so make sure that the signature you are looking at is even possible before spending too much time on the finer points. The next step is to look at the signature closely. Crazy idea, right? A good source of light in a loop, or as we talked about earlier, or a magnifying glass are important here. So look at the lines of the signature. Does the ink make sense for the time of that signature? So here are some examples. Felt tip pens will leave a distinctive trail where some somewhat like a brush stroke across the surface of the paper. Felt tip pens started becoming popular in the 1950s. So a signature that predates that time probably shouldn't look like a felt tip pen. Ballpoint pen. Uh, they tend to leave an indentation on the page and exhibit a fairly distinctive, clean, narrow line. Ballpoint pens are ubiquitous now, but weren't really available before the 20th century. Pen and ink was fairly standard before the turn of the 20th century. The lines left by the nibs of these pens tended to be a little broader than ballpoints, with the ink frequently bleeding slightly into the surrounding paper, much like a watercolor or oil paint or um, ink painting, you know, where it's very uh, bleeding into the, the sides there. So is the signature fluid? Look for hesitation marks where the line breaks at a strange place or ink may have pooled where a pen rested maybe for a prolonged amount of time. Most people, after a lifetime of signing documents, have a signature that has natural, uninterrupted motion. You know, they're just trying to get through it. So sometimes tracing or trying to match an example may not be able to achieve that with a single flourish. The counter to that is the age of the author. An unsteady hand may be the natural result of aging. So a tremor and then uh, signature line might actually help authenticate it. Okay. And if the signature, if that signature you're looking at passes all of these basic tests, you may just want to move to professionals after that. If you're getting something authenticated that's very expensive, 
you're going to want to get it authenticated. So signed photos, a lot of this applies to that, but What's really important with photos, if you do get one, you're going to want to magnify that guy and check for glosses over top of the signature because most of the time signature or um, signatures are going to be matted, okay? Matted is going to be just barely reflective of light, but the actual gloss from the photo itself, now that's going to be shiny. So maybe shine a light at it, uh, something like that that's going to really, really help out Uh, you determine whether that is real or not or whether it's been added uh, later or even, heck, printed on there. You know, there's a bunch of things with auto pens that we could get into. Uh, So auto pen signatures are not worth as much simply because they were gone out. They were put out massive amounts. And you can certainly tell if something was auto penned. one of the things about auto pen is, is it does have the same characteristic of an actual pen since it is a pen that's like moving around a robotic motion. So it's going to have the overlapping lines that signatures would provide. So if you're going drawing an L, okay, and you have a pen, it's going to actually overlap, intersect at one point there where it's going to create an, a double dark area. And that's what professionals look for is that. So auto pen's going to be that. However, there are certain flourishes um, that are too perfect and too this exact same that you can determine something as an auto pen or not. So that's something that people really, really look for. Also, uh, another thing to consider when looking at documents is whether it was signed by the actual, like let's say you're talking about a president, maybe it was signed by his, by a secretary. That was very common. Um, If they were bumping out thousands a week, there's no way without an auto pen that some, you know, president's going to have enough time to sign that many. Plus, I mean, the carpal tunnel. Let's talk about that. So those are just some, you know, back end tips there if you do have uh, something you want to really authenticate. So, guys, remember, with faked items, there are those who produce them, those who purchase them and those that listen to this podcast. I will see you guys in the next episode, whenever that may be. Bye.